week, hi, Shalom Aleichem. So this week we are learning about, predominantly the lion's share of this week's Torah portion, talks about the clothing the Kohanim would wear when serving in the temple. And it seems like a disproportionate amount of attention is given to the clothing of the Kohanim. Clothing the priests would wear while doing the service. Why is it so important what they would wear and how they would wear it's just clothing? And yet the Torah, the, the, a, a great portion of this week is, is uh, dedicated to this subject. So what's so important about it? So the various interpretations about it, and as we'll see that um, a lot of this, even though this was the clothing that the, the priests wore in the temple and the and Mashiach hasn't come yet and the temple hasn't been rebuilt, we're going to see how this actually gives us insight in uh, what we need to do now to tip the scale and prepare for the coming of Mashiach. So Nachmanides Ramban, he writes that the purpose of the priests wearing the special clothing was because the purpose of this was to give the priests, the Kohanim, a uh, regal sense in the eyes of the people. They're serving Hashem, they're serving God, and their various garments were similar to, in that time, the garments of the, no, of the royalty and nobility. The tzitz, the headplate of the, of the, of the, of the Kohen Gadol, looked just like a crown. Al big day kuna. The uh, the uh, and the various garments that the kohanim would wear reflected the clothing of the nobility, and so the reason why they had to wear it is because since they're serving God, to so to honor God, uh, they had to wear this special clothing to show how important what they were doing was. It wasn't the clothing per se; it was to show honor to Hashem, to show that this is a royal service. Other commentaries say that the purpose of this was that the coin in themselves respect what they were doing. It wasn't so much in honor of Hashem, it was the Kohen, by wearing the clothing, he would feel he's doing something really special because he's wearing these special garments. Anyone here a Kohen? Any Kohen in here? Okay. Remember doing this? <laughs> I think it was a long time ago. I right. so, so the Kohen who wear the special garments, it was for himself... So he should um, sense that this is something really important. Other commentaries say that it was for the people who looked at the Kohanim. The Kohanim people would see the Kohanim do the service and they would realize this is something really important, seeing their special garments. Hey, Shalom Aleichem Yehuda. Our friend Anthony uh, Clifford is reminding me that my shirt collar isn't uh, up to snuff. Sorry about that, Anthony. <laughs> so, uh, so the the idea of of the con and wearing the clothing is sort of like a visual aid, according to many commentaries. They're wearing this clothing. It reminds them that they're doing something special. It's for them. It's kind of like the effect of tefillin. It's one of the one of the power, one of the blessings of, of wearing tefillin is that it gives you a sense of devotion to Hashem in your heart and mind, so that there's a harmony to your heart and mind and your actions. Every mitzvah we do because God said so, but wearing tefillin gives you a sense of dedication to God, that your, your heart should feel God's feelings, your mind should think God's thoughts, and your actions should be godly. So 
while you're wearing tefillin, you know you're doing something godly. Just wearing tefillin reminds you of, of what it's about. Now, of course, there is a spiritual effect of wearing tefillin too. But just the action of wearing the garment of tefillin itself does something. It makes you conscious of, what, of, of, of serving God. So too, the priests, the kohanim, wore these garments to make them conscious of Hashem. That's what some commentaries say. They, they, did, they did this study in Northwestern University. This uh, man, uh, Mr. Galinsky, he did this interesting study. The study was, he took these people off the street, uh, average American people, and he told them all to wear, uh, some of them to wear doctor coats, and some of them to wear regular clothing. And he discovered that whoever put on the doctor coat all of a sudden felt that they were very intelligent. And they did much better on this very complicated exam, the Strupers test, trying to figure out the colors and remembering the colors and the text. And, and all, everyone who was a doctor that day did 50% better than everybody else. Wow. So it was just by wearing the certain clothing, it affects you and it makes you feel differently. There is... Um, a lot, of, a lot of research has been done about what, what's called embodied condition, cognition. Because I'm wearing certain clothing, therefore I think differently. I'm power dressing, therefore I feel powerful. So too, but not just powerful, your thought process. You're able to think, understand, and remember better as a result of wearing the doctor's coat for that day. Um, I don't know if it will work the next day once they figured out that they were, uh, what, what was going on. But, but we find also... Okay, whenever, whenever I walk by the Kabbalah Center, I ask them that. I say, I'm wearing black, you guys are wearing white. Which one does God want? Is it black or is it white? Okay, different subject. <laughs> so, um, so, the Rabbi Yochanan in the Talmud writes that my clothing is what honors me. My clothing is called what honors me. And we find that um, by, king, by David HaMelech, King David, famously his father-in-law, Shaul, sought to kill him. And once King David had an opportunity to show, to show King Shaul they had nothing against him. He, had, he snuck into the camp of the enemy, the camp of, the camp of Shaul, and he cut off the tzitzis of Shaul's garment, showing that if he wanted to, he could have killed Shaul. And he didn't. So surprisingly, the Gemara says... That many years later, when King David became older, he wore clothing, and he still was always cold. The Talmud says, why was he always cold? Because he didn't show honor to the clothing of Shaul, and he cut his tzitzis, therefore his clothing didn't have, have the proper effect. So there's, there's a lot of the Torah's, a lot of attention the Torah gives to clothing. And the question is, what are we supposed to learn from that? And, and we, there's something that we do, which may be similar to what the Kohanim did. And what's going to do to, tomorrow night? Tomorrow night, the Torah tells us on the Shabbos, on the Shabbat, you're supposed to wear special clothing. The, why are you supposed to wear special clothing on Shabbos? Where does it come from? Where does it come from? You're supposed to wear special clothing on Shabbat? Well, Shabbat's not an ordinary day. So you have to elevate the day. So it's sort of... I mean, you have to you, 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 you have honor to, Shabbos. You have to honor Shabbos. So it's like, that's one of the ways you do it. I mean, there's... So, so the, the word, though, is honor Shabbos. The Torah says, Vichibadto, honor the Shabbos. Does, if you want to get into more spiritual mood, it might say to study, it might say to sing, it might to, but it says honor. So the, the, very fascinatingly, in the Code of Jewish Law, it says, when someone goes to a new city, 
how do, do people look at that person? How do they understand what kind of person they, that person is? They look at their clothing. If they're wearing honorable clothing, they think, oh, this person is an honorable guy. So, therefore, on, Sh- on Shabbos, the Torah says to honor Shabbat. How do you honor Shabbat? You honor Shabbat with your clothing. And it's interesting that the mitzvah of honoring Shabbat in the clothing is all-inclusive, which means the best thing to do is to have everything different on Shabbat. Uh, in fact, there, in, in the Code of Jewish Law, it mentions that the best thing is that even you have to have a different undershirt for Shabbat. Uh, there, there are, it says to have a different talit for Shabbat. That Shabbat, have, is, you have a talit dedicated just for Shabbat. Um, it says also on, on a yantif, on, on, on a holiday, a Passover and Shavuot and Sukkot, you're supposed to have even better garments than, than Shabbat. So perhaps there's a parallel between the garments that we wear and the garments that the Kohenim wear, a similar kind of thing. What do you think? Then everything about Shabbat is to do whatever we do, we don't, whatever we do during the week, we're not supposed to do on Shabbat, I mean, except eating or sleeping. Everything else, like working, like whatever else we do, we talk about other stuff, other people, money, this, that. We just supposed to be the day of reverse of six other days. Isn't that the idea of Shabbat? So, so I think what you're saying is, is that it's not supposed to be that way. It's supposed to feel different on Shabbat, right? It should. Right. So you think the clothing helps us keep conscious of that. That's very interesting. That's a very good, very, very, I didn't think of that. That's, that's one, amazing. One thing I can note is that uh, the Kohanim were allowed to mix wool and linen. Oh. We are not. So um, I guess the mixture of wool and linen is a higher level than, than keeping it separate. And actually, uh, actually adding on to that, they also, like, you, you have a burnt offering on Shabbat, so like, they're in the bank of meatball, so you can, like, um, so you're not supposed to uh, have fire or create fire. So, so, yeah, how are you supposed to do that on spot? So, it's like Some commentaries ask, if, how come the coin didn't wear tzitzit? We wear tzitzit, they don't wear tzitzit. They wore during the regular day, though. But not when they were in the service. Not in the temple, right. So some commentaries ask even further, they say the actual garments they were wearing should have needed tzitzit, because they were four-cornered, some of them. And what it, I, I saw a different answers. One answer was that they weren't obligated to wear tzitzit and what they wore because, because their garments didn't belong to them. Torah says to wear on regular garments. These were holy garments, therefore they weren't obligated to wear tzitzit on their garments. Another, another, another thing that the Tosfot says, which is, which I, I didn't really fully uh, understand it, but I, it, Tosfot says something like this, what you said. He says that because the Kohanim were allowed to mix wool and linen together, and it says about tzitzit also, they're allowed to wear tzitzit, wool and linen. We don't do it nowadays for different reasons, but technically the only time you'd be allowed to wear wool and linen is in tzitzit. So there's something similar in tzitzit to the effect of the garments of the Kohanim, and the Zohar says that the Kohanim's garments have a similar spiritual effect to, 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 to tzitzit. And the, and the Tosfot says, what's the correlation? Where do we find the similarity? It's in the fact that wool and linen is, uh, is mixed together in tzitzit, and also in the Kohanim's garments. Those who aren't familiar, the, 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 the shatnas means that you're not supposed to wear garments that are made out of 
both wool fiber and linen fiber. And they have all these uh, labs that they are able to, and in town also we have a few places you go, can go, they'll, they'll, they'll check out your suits and say, ah, this suit, harabe. <laughs> Try to get a refund. That's why it's good to check it before. I've been ten times. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, but, but if, if to understand exactly what, what, what the idea of wearing clothing is in, in, in Kabbalah and the inner meaning of it, let's go back to a little more details on halach and Jewish law about, about clothing. Let's talk about buying clothing. When you buy clothing, there's, there's laws, not just about wearing clothing, what clothing to wear, but there's even laws in halacha about clothing, how to buy clothing. There's times in the year you're not supposed to buy new clothing, like during the time between the, the 17th of Tammuz and the 9th of, uh, of Av, buying, buying clothing that would entail a shechiyano. What's shechiyano? You say a special blessing to God when you wear a new garment. And you're not supposed to say that blessing for new garment during those days, therefore you cannot buy a new garment. Now, there's an interesting th- opinion of the Beit Yosef, Beit Yosef, Yosef Cairo says, what kind of garment would you say Shekhyonu on? What kind of garment is considered so special that you would say Shekhyonu on it? So he says, he says, it depends on who's wearing it. And he says, although maybe you wouldn't say Shekhyonu on getting a new pair of briefs, but maybe somebody who's homeless gets a new pair of socks, and it's a yantif, a new pair of socks. And therefore he says, Beit Yosef says, that a, that a someone who is poor and has a new pair of socks and is excited about it should say Shekhyonu on the socks. Uh, the the Ramah disagrees with him and he says, and our custom is where we live, that no one says Shekhyonu on socks. Not just the rich don't say Shekhyonu on, on socks, no one does. Um, the Chabad custom is a little bit. The consensus that I understand from Chabad Rabbanim is that if it's something, it has to, it's more personal. Like, if it's something which is very expensive and you are very happy about it, then you could say Shechionu. Shechionu is a, more of a fluid kind of blessing. Usually our blessings are very like exact. You ha- like you cannot say, there's all these laws in the Torah about if you made a, a shahakal on a cup of water and then you went upstairs, do you see it in the cup of blessing or not? And it's very intricate and very detailed exactly how it works. But Shechionu is more fluid. Shechionu has to do with the joy of your heart. And therefore, uh, it's, not, it's not so clear on what, when you would say Shechionu when you wouldn't say Shachiyano. So Chabad custom is generally that if it's something, it's expensive. And you cause you joy, you could say Shachiyano. Um, so as, you men- as mentioned before, there's laws about the mixing wool and linen. But the Torah doesn't tell us about which uh, colors are fashionable to wear together, which colors aren't, don't fit, fit together. But does, the Torah does talk about how to get dressed. The Torah says that when you get dressed, you cannot wear things inside out. It's not considered honorable. To wear something inside out, because it's considered. Uh, and also, when you get dressed, Zalacha says that you cannot put in your left sleeve before your right sleeve. You have to put your right sleeve in before your left sleeve. Wait, what? What does that matter? Oh, that's a good question. What does that matter? That's that's that's, that's more rabbinic. That's not Torah. That has to do with the order in the basement. How so? So when you walk in in a business, you want to do business, you got to go in with your right. First, while you're walking the business place, I don't even think about it. I just walk in. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you got to put in your right hand first. Okay, yeah. this actually, Sir Moses Matafir, I think it was. I don't know the details of the story. I heard he once spoke to some some uh, nobility, 
and they asked him about this. And he said, there's an odd custom that we Jewish people have. We put our right shoe on first, our left shoe on second. And whoever you're speaking to, I don't remember, that's fascinating. There's a meaning in every movement that you do, which is really what the Torah is telling us over here. I forgot to mention before, another halach about new clothing. I haven't seen people say this in Los Angeles, but the Jewish custom has always been, when someone buys a new article of clothing, you know what you say? Tzirayis gesundereit. It may, it may be ripped up health, in a health, healthy way. Because you bought a new, you bought a new, new uh, article of clothing, what, who always has brand new clothing? Only someone who's, died, who's, who's dead. But if someone was alive, uh, you wear it, you wear it for a long time, and it's time to get something new. So that's why the Yiddish expression always was, oh, it's something new. Tzirayis gesundereit. Maybe you rip it up in good health. Except for shoes. Or anything made of leather. You don't say about leather, may you rip it up. You know why? Huh? Leather lasts. <laughs> Leather lasts. No, because why? Because it comes from an animal. You don't want to say you don't you don't you don't want to feel good about another animal being killed. Therefore, you don't give the blessing that they, may the clothing be ripped up. But getting back to um, um, yeah, there's halacha. You put on your right sleeve first and your left sleeve. It's a halacha. Halacha. It's in the book. In the words of Jack Benny, it's in the script. Right. I had, I had heard that before, but I didn't know it was like an actual halacha. I mean, it's in the Shulchan Aruch, right? It's in the Code of Jewish Law. I'll tell you even more. When you put on your right your shoes, you put your right shoe on first, then your left shoe, because the Torah always honors the right more than the left, and so you also have to honor your right more than your left. Even more, when you when you tie your shoes, which shoe do you tie first? The right shoe. No, you tie your left shoe. Why? Why you tie your left shoe? Because when you put on tefillin, you tie a tefillin in your left hand. So the Torah honors the left only in regards to tying, and therefore when you tie your shoes, you tie your left shoe for your right shoe. What do you shoe you take off first? I guess I take off my left shoe first. <laughs> Very good. You tie it since it's taken off. It must off. be the reverse from the, you know, <laughs> say, you know. Yeah, you get, you get, you get I in. that one. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so you take off your left shoe first, then you take off your right shoe, you put on your right shoe first, then you take on your left shoe. And in general, the, the, the Torah always says that we should honor the right, that's like in the temple, there was a, a predominance given to the right over the left, unless you're a lefty. If you're a lefty, everything's opposite. Not, anyone here a lefty besides me? Oh. Lefties, lefties uh, do everything the opposite. For, the Torah says, interestingly, that it's not that lefties do, do things with their left hands. They say, the Torah says, for lefties, their left hand is considered like their right hand. That's why the Torah classifies it. Anyways, so do you, do you think that the way you get dressed in the morning could affect the rest of your day? Absolutely. Absolutely? When I wear a suit and a tie, I walk like this. <laughs> <laughs> when I have jeans on, I'm very loose. No, really, it's a, That's true. It's That's a true. fact. How about right and left? Do you think that could affect the rest of your day? That's a hard one. I don't think so. <laughs> I suppose in spiritually in some level it does, but it would not be detectable by me. What I really got to believe in, because I was hanging out with a few people doing business, that you go in to make a deal, you walk in with your right foot first. Interesting. And I became, right now I'm always conscious of that. Interesting. I believe the ancient world is also that. Interesting. When I, when I was leaving the train station downtown, I was downtown and I was going Today? To, no, no, uh, a couple days ago. Yeah. I was going to the state office building. A little louder, yeah. 4th Street. I was on 4th Street and I got off the train and, and I didn't know where it was. I didn't know which direction was which direction. 
and I'm sitting here, and then there's a way out that way, and a way out that way. So I went to the right, and it was it turned out okay. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know where this comes from, and if it isn't true, I'm going to shoot the guy who told it to me. But I, I heard the name of the Baal Shem, if you don't know which way to go, you should go right. That's what I heard. <laughs> but either way, listen, I, I want to tell you something. The word halacha in Hebrew is an acronym for the words Hariul Hashem Kalar. It's sing to God all the earth. Which means, when we follow what the Torah says, we're getting the right music of what that thing is about. So there is a music to getting dressed in the morning. There is following the way Hashem designed the way it's supposed to be. It's not just another law. It's, there's meaning in everything. The Torah is highlighting to us that everything we do is meaningful. And I think if you start off your day and you think that it matters what you do, it matters what you say, then you, you look at the rest of it differently. Even if, you're not, even if you're getting dressed in your jeans, but if you wake up in the morning and you think someone's looking at you, someone's listening to you, someone's paying attention to you, that, that, makes, that, that changes your perspective. Like for example... It says about um, Isaac, Abraham's son Isaac, that he dug wells, right? Then the Torah says that there was, there was the Philistines. The Philistines came and they stuffed up all the wells. They put earth in all the wells and they stuffed them up. What's the, what's the Hebrew word for the Torah uses when it says it's, they stuffed up the wells? It says, sismu, sitmu, they stuffed up the wells. What's the root of the word sismu? The root of the word sismu is stam, stam. What's stam mean? Stam means plain. Plain. Are you special or are you just plain? The way you answer that question is a very important. What do you think? Charles, what do you say? You're special or are you stam? Of course you're special. If you say you're not if you say that you're plain, doesn't matter if you prayed today, doesn't matter if you didn't pray today. Doesn't matter if you what you th- said or what you thought or what you ate, because you're just, just plain. But if you realize that someone, as Baal Shantav says, that each of us is like God's only child, born to like parents who have a child in their old age, and they have one, and they have one child, and everything, and the, or like the Talmud says, the whole world is created for you, then it matters what you do. And so it says about Avram, Avram dug wells. Digging the wells means that Avram unearthed and each, gave each Jew the ability to reveal the reservoir of faith and love and reverence for God. What covers up that well? What hides that? Sismum, saying that I'm plain, saying that I'm un- I'm ordinary. It doesn't matter what I do. So getting back to our uh, to our subject over here, yeah, I, I think it absolutely absolutely does affect the rest of the day. If you the way you st- start your day, you get up in the morning, you say Moda'ani, you thank God for giving you your soul, and you pay attention that God's watching you. It makes a difference. What does it mean? Because kind of arrogant if you keep saying that we're special. Oh, that's. That's your question. That was that was one of the questions that I had. Was that I said, you know, is it what is what is humility and humbleness kind of uh, oh. come in uh, to say that I'm special? Is is uh, there's there's a sense of not necessarily ego, but there's there's, there's an arrogance ego and an arrogance in it. Whereas plain, maybe a little bit more humble. humility and humbleness, and you know, trying to live life. The saying the world has clothes make the man. Okay. Good question. I want, I want to address his question. Good point. I want to address his question first. He's asking, isn't saying that you're special arrogant? And doesn't that, doesn't, isn't that the opposite of what, what the Torah wants us to be like? The Torah wants us to be humble. Saying you're special seems to be an arrogant thing. It's interesting. In, in Tanya, in Tanya, the altar speaks about arrogance. And he says arrogance is exactly the opposite of, of, of what we would think arrogance is. 
Arrogance means that you feel that you're not connected in any way to holiness. You feel you're outside of God. In other words, you are not part of, you're not a God's creature, you're just existing on your own. So although it sounds humble, but in the, really it's, it's, it's the, what, the ultimate sense of self, selfishness. I'm not godly, I'm not created, I don't have a purpose. People confuse the idea of being special and the idea of arrogance because the important word over here is purpose. When we say that you're special, it means that you're loved and you have purpose. It, 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 it's possible that a person could um, feel worthless and insignificant, and because of that, they copy what everyone else is doing because they don't feel they have any, any value on, them, on, on themselves. But self-esteem really means that you value your, your neshama. You say, my soul has a value. I'm not valuable because I'm smart or because I'm rich. I'm valuable because God cares about me. So that's not, that's not arrogance. That's, that's healthy self-esteem. When it comes to a point where I say that I am better than you, that's, that's arrogance. Right? When I'm talking about being precious in the eyes of God, and I have a mission and I have a purpose, that's, that's actually, that's what, what, in Hasidic terminology, that's called humility. Humility because I'm part of God. I'm not, I'm not something other, not something separate. Mm-hmm. Saying I'm separate and other is, 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 is what the way Hasidic, Hasidic uh, not, uh, thought translates arrogance. I'm outside of God. Versus saying I'm part of Him and, I'm, and I have a mission. and that's, that's, that's true humility. I have, I, have a reason, I have a reason to be here. And it's not my own. I've, in the words of the Talmud, the Talmud says, I was created to serve my master. I have a reason. I have a reason to be here. I what's the French words that everyone says? Raison de, raison d'être. Right. Okay. Raison d'être. I have reason to be. Okay. Getting back to our the Kabbalah clothing. The soul has clothing too. What's the clothing of the soul? The soul has three garments. The three garments of the soul are thought, speech, and action. Why does the soul need clothing? What would happen if the soul would be naked? What is the soul need clothing for? What's meaning the soul has clothing? And Tanya, the Alter writes that every Jew has a godly soul. And the soul uses its garments, its thought, its words and actions to express itself, to connect to God. So when you think words of Torah, you say words of Torah, you do a mitzvah, that's the garments your soul uses to express itself and to, and to, and to forge a bond with God. But it's interesting that, 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 that Tanya phrases it and calls it clothing. Why is clothing the important word over here? Why clothing? The reason why that's an important word is because, first of all, what does that word mean? Why is it, what, first, let's define that word. What is it, why, are we calling the, why are we calling the thought, speech, and action, why are we calling that clothing? There's the soul itself and the garments of the soul. What's the soul itself? The soul itself has the ability to think, has the ability to feel, intellect, emotions, the soul has, has, has faculties, the soul is able to think, the soul is able to feel. But the intellect and the feelings of the soul are the soul itself. Then there is the soul's expression. Thought, I, I said that, that thought is one of the garments of the soul. What's the difference between the word thought and the word intellect? Can you think that 2 plus 2 is 5? Can you say 2 plus 2 is 5? You could think it, you could say it, and you could write it. Can you understand that 2 plus 2 is 5? No. 
Well, maybe you can. I know I have a drink today. But <laughs> you can't understand 2 plus 2 is 5. You could think the word 2 plus 2 is 5. That's thought. But your intellect is your understanding itself. Your intellect and your feelings, that's a soul itself. And this expression of soul is your thought, speech, and action. Why are those words important? Why is the Alter Rebbe underscore that it's garments? The reason why it's called garments, why those words are important, is because you could wear whatever you want to wear. So just like we said before about power dressing or embodied cognition, that you have to think differently because of what you're wearing, so too is this with regards to the soul. The author writes in chapter 14 in Tanya that every person could always be what he calls a Benini. What's a Benini? A Benini literally means the average man. And the author says the average person could always think the right thing and say the right thing and do the right thing. You always have free will. The mind can always control the heart, always do the right thing, say the right thing, and think the right thing. You may not want to do it. You may be like, I don't want to do that. But you always could decide whatever you want to think, whatever you want to say, whatever you want to do. You could do that. And that's why the Tanya wants us to know that they're garments. Because clothing could, is interchangeable. You could wear whatever you wanted to wear. So the author wants, it, wants us to know that there's clothing. Why? Because he wants us to know you have a full volition of whatever you want to wear. Just so you could put on clothing, put on different clothing, and that affects you. As it says in Sefer HaChinuch, that our, our heart is drawn after our actions. So when you do something, if I give a charity every single day, it's going to make me a kinder person. The action itself affects me. But even if it doesn't affect me, that's, that's, a, that's a second point. The first point is that it's a garment, and I could decide, even though I'm feeling miserable and whatever, I could decide just to do the right thing and say the right thing. And sometimes you're able to um, you're able to, to, to clothe a more of a a psychological feeling and, and crystallize and make an impact with the words that you say. I love you. With by saying those words, you're able to reach someone in a way that you can't reach them just by having that feeling. The words themselves do something. Words are powerful. Oops. And uh, and that's why the Torah wants us to know about the, the Torah wants us to tell us. It's easier to buy a very nice suit than it is to go on a diet. Right? Ever tried? Going on a diet and getting a nice suit? It's easier. Buying a, buying a, a really great suit is easier than losing the weight. So the Torah wants us to know, know that we're able to think and speak and do whatever we want. We have full volition of, of, our, of our soul garments. Imagine, is it hypocritical? In a way, it may seem hypocritical. Hypocrisy is a little underrated. If I'm, and I might be in the mood of doing the right thing, but if I do it, that, that, that's great. And the truth is, it's not hypocritical. I'll tell you why. Why is it hypocritical? Because deep down, my neshama, my soul, wants to do the right thing. My neshama, my soul, wants to say the right thing, think the right thing. So even though I might not be in the right mood for it, but if I do what is the right, the right thing to do, and I think, what's hypocrisy mean? Acting different to who you are inside. But who am I inside? I have a neshama. So when I decide to think the right thing, to say the right thing, I'm not hypocritical. On the contrary, I'm coming closer to who I always was. So number one, hypocrisy is underrated. Imagine if people would just say nice things all the time, and just do nice things, and say, it doesn't matter if it's hypocritical, it makes an impact. And number two, your action affects you. By doing the right thing, it affects you. And, after, and in the words of Tanya, though, he says the highest point of intimacy you have with God is just by your thought, speech, and action. Not the soul itself, your expression of soul. Saying a word of Torah, thinking a word of Torah, thinking good thought has the greatest impact. In fact, Maimonides famously said, whatever, before you do any, anything, say anything, or think anything, you should think the following. The world's on a scale. And one good thought, one good word, one good action, could tip the scale and bring Mashiach. And therefore, 
you have realized the power of who you are and what you could do. There was this uh, lady who I, I know who, she, I think I shared this story with you. She asked the Rebbe, Hasidic thought always talks about how our actions are so powerful. We elevate the world by putting on tefillin and giving tzedakah and if there's such an impact in the world. What about places no one will ever go to? What about the jungles in Africa? What about the Sahara Desert? All these places no one's ever going to go. What, what, what about that? The Rebbe didn't answer. But seven years later when she visited the Rebbe and she was with a whole group of people, the Rebbe just sent an, an, an zone mitzvah and mitzvah has a ripple effect. It's not just that place you did the mitzvah, not just that time you did the mitzvah. That's a ripple effect. So the uh, bottom line is, just like the Kohanim have their garments, we have our garments, our soul's garments, and we gotta, we got to realize how, how powerful we are in, in what we do, what we say, what we think, the impact we have on other people, the impact we have in the world. And uh, the, one, the next thought that uh, Mr. Yehuda has over here, the tip the scale and bring Mashiach. Mm-hmm.